is Hebrew Hits, presented by JTribeRadio.com. I'm your host, Malia, and I sit down with people who live by the motto, it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. Welcome to Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with the marketing guru. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to kindly ask you if you can go follow Hebrew Hits on Instagram at Hebrew underscore Hits. Follow Hebrew Hits Radio on YouTube, push subscribe, and go follow us and subscribe on all your favorite streaming apps. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio on all your favorite streaming apps. Please go give us a follow and a really good rating. And you know that it is Thursday evening right now, and I want to tell you that Holy Schnitzel is selling the best cholent and the best sandwiches and the best salads, and they have the best sauces. You can now buy their sauces. They are located at 688 Central Avenue. Make sure to go stop by Holy Schnitzel tonight. You may see me there. Well, right now, I have Alex Madchuk. He's a videographer, a photographer, a marketing guru. He also is known as Ads Done Right. You may know him because of Ads Done Right. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. How are you doing? I'm doing so good, and I'm just so excited to actually sit down with you. I know that last night I literally just called you, and then we started talking, and you're like, let's go. Let's get me on the show. I'm like, okay, great. Let's do it. And we're here. Unlike our Mozart Shabbos podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do more. Well, we are. We will. We will. We are about to hear the story and the life of Alex Majuk. Everyone knows him as a super famous guy at Sunrise. He's loud, he's funny, he's friendly, he's welcoming, he's warm. But we don't really know about his life. So Alex, start us off. Tell us about how you grew up. First of all, thank you so much for the introduction. I appreciate it. Can I put you on my shit up resume? <laughs> so Alex, let's go. How, where have you been brought up? How was, your, how was your childhood? My childhood was horrible. I had a horrible childhood. Where should we start? Let's start with first grade. First grade... Very hard to sit in my seat. My Rebbe took me up, I remember, against the lockers, held me up, held me up against the lockers. And in the middle of first grade, I was, they told my parents this wasn't the right school for me. I went to like a doctor. They put me on like Ritalin. That didn't help. And I went to a special ed school for the rest of elementary, mostly for like seven years. It's called Sharon in Toronto, like a Hebrew day school, co-ed school. I was there, hated it, because they basically just put me in a class with a bunch of other people that couldn't sit in their seat and that were also wild. And then, slowly but surely, I went to other yeshivas, and thank God, my final like dwelling place, I would say, was Petach in Chaim Berlin. All other yeshivas didn't work out in Toronto. Ninth grade, I was there for two months, got chucked out, worked at a burger place for the rest of ninth grade, tenth grade, went to another crazy special ed school. Then... Like the only option was like, okay, fine, maybe we'll try out of town. End up going to Patach. Patach had two programs, an MTA, which is like YU school, and then Chaim Berlin. I wanted to like be in a more yeshivish setting, so I went to Chaim Berlin. Patach and Chaim Berlin. I got kicked out of Patach and Chaim Berlin, and I actually ended up making it into the regular Chaim Berlin. They always told me, oh, Patach always told me, you know, if you don't do your homework, you don't come to Shachar, you won't be able to get into the regular Chaim Berlin. I think I'm the only person that it didn't do my homework, didn't go to Shaffer's, and the only person that got into mainstream Chaim Berlin. So I have a lot of cars that type to Chaim Berlin, and I did very well over there, went on to Mir, BMG, and over here, we're still living in Lakewood. I love Lakewood and have a very successful business over here. So, yeah. Wow. Hearing your story, I just feel as if the teacher in first grade, if that Rebbe did not do that to you, 
you would have had a very different experience in school. Yeah, a thousand percent. Well, you know what? I have, I don't look at it like that way, but it's an interesting perspective. Yeah, of course I would have had it a different way. I don't know what you mean, like a different way, but yeah, of course. I feel that anything that happens in life, everything, including, you know, my divorce, every single step, I have no regrets, no resentment in life. I believe life is a journey and you just have to live in the present, live in the moment and get all the goodness out of the world as much as you're able, as much as you're able to. And honestly, just like give to other people and be a good person. You know what? People don't live a good life because they're thinking about the past. That's depression or they're worrying about the future. If you live in the moment, it'll be okay. Listen, you have a coffee. You breathe. Thank God you could breathe. You don't need a ventilator to breathe. You know, I know you did a, a episode with Ben Taplin. Mm-hmm. You know, just and, and Ben is actually the type of guy that just enjoys life, enjoys in the moment, enjoys people because he didn't have that. And you know what? Thankfully, I didn't have to be in that position in order to appreciate it. And I feel like we should all take out like whenever I think, oh, you're worrying whatever. I'm like. No, pathetic. This is their families that are sitting in the hospital right now with a family member that's about to die. What am I worried about? My car getting hit a little bit? My French toast not coming out on time? My coffee getting cold? This stuff is... I don't know if you're going to beep this part out, but whatever. You're also your stitches that you got on your finger. Oh, yeah. I was opening up a bottle of champagne actually for my birthday, Motsuyama Kipper, and it actually still hurts a little bit, but that was the most expensive bottle of champagne I ever got. Stitches cost like three, three fifty. dollars Apparently, my deductible wasn't meant on insurance yet, so yeah. Wow. So let's talk about your teacher for a second. Your Rebbe in first grade, did you ever give him a call and say, this is how what you did affected my life? No, but I should. Should I do it on air right now? I needed to do it as well, and I didn't do it. Remember, I needed to call my teacher? My second grade teacher. I love that. I am actually going to reach out to my mother. I'm going to get his number and I'm going to address it because I'm very, I'm very, very into this. Hi, Ima. How are you? Can you send me Rabbi's number? I want to call him up, um, you know, tell him about, uh, you know, how I felt about our situation in first grade a little bit. Maybe talk it out. My therapist said it's a good idea. I'm your therapist. I'm my own therapist. <laughs> do you have a ther- do you have a therapist? I do. I see you him. Do. I don't see him all the time. I started going. I went for therapy first of all my whole entire life, dealing with school and stuff like that. Throughout my marriage, also, I went for therapy a lot. Numerous therapists, and after I got divorced, I still started. I still went for therapy because whatever affected my relationship when I was married, I didn't want it to affect my other relationship that I would have potentially. I still went for therapy and then I just got very busy with work. But whenever something comes up here and there every couple months, I go and I talk it out for sure. A thousand percent. Is it the same therapist that you still use throughout your life? One therapist? No, no, no. The the, the therapist that I use right now, he's very, very good. I've been using him the past few years. When I was going through my separation or like right after I got divorced, I started seeing him. He's very good. His name. Do you is feel Green like Spoon. what is his name? Binu Greenspoon. Binyamin Greenspoon. I'm like very good. I have a really serious question. Do you feel like what happened to you in first grade had an effect on your life to the potentially that it even affected your marriage? Like not the exact situation, but all the emotional stuff that came with it. I honestly don't see how um, my Rebbe treated me in the first grade has anything to do with my ex. You got divorced. I don't know, like five six years ago. I assume, right? 
Six years ago, yeah. And how how are you doing right now? I love life. I love it. Best are you really? Yeah, you're honestly like I'm, okay emotionally. Honestly, I'm very happy with single life. People are like, oh, you don't want to like come home at night, like have someone ask you how your day was. I'm like, no, I want to come home, put a slice of pizza in the toaster oven, and watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> but what about your son? Like, do you still have to see your ex? Is that hard? No, it's not hard. Our divorce was very amicable, very civil. We get along like very peacefully and stuff. And mm-hmm. I have him every other weekend. I'm having him this coming Shabbos. I have him during the week. Like, thank God. I'm very blessed. I, I told her she's the best ex I ever could have wished for. I'm a big believer that everything happened is for a reason, even though we can't see the reason. And I, I honestly have a lot of Amun and Batakhan. Mm-hmm. And that actually helps me a lot, get through life with everything. I had a massive situation. I don't know. My girl screwed up on something for a customer, this and that. And it was right before Rosh Hashanah. And he decided, okay, fine. I don't learn usually. But I had a Chavis Alavavas on my shelf. I took it out to put next to my bed to read. Of course, I haven't read it or opened it. But the one morning that I woke up and I had this problem, I looked at the Chavis Alavavas, like next to my bed. Like, you know what? This is Minashimayim. I didn't have to read it, just like in front of me. Wow. And let me ask you this question. Do you feel that you have changed since the, like from before the divorce, like you said, you were a young guy. What, you went on like a shidduch day, yeshiva boy, getting married young. I've discovered myself. I didn't know myself then. I was very naive and throughout therapy and throughout being, like I'm very, very comfortable with myself. I'm so open. Mm -hmm. And and by being self-aware, it's honestly self-awareness. Because when you lie to yourself about certain things, if you tell you things, no, whatever, you're never going to be able to address it. Anyways, I'm just very open. I'm very into self-awareness. Like anything that I do, any problem that I have, I take full responsibility. Anything that doesn't go on in my life, including my business. And that's one of the hard parts about being a CEO and being in charge of your business. Mm-hmm. You can't say, oh, it's my manager's fault. You can't say, oh, it's my CEO's fault. You can't say, everything is your fault. Right. It so really there's a is. lot of burden on that. Right. I did a course called Landmark. It's a personal growth seminar. I love Landmark. I know people that went. No, I know people that went. And they tell me to go. How do we get you to commit to going to Landmark on the show right now? So I don't feel comfortable going by myself because I'm like a single girl. Like, who am I going to hang out with? Like, I don't, my friend, no. So we'll speak about it afterwards. There's a program in New Jersey over here. Uh And a bunch of from people go every single week. They have volunteers that go that set up Shabbos and everything else like that. You feel like you have part of a family. You have someone to go with. But that's who I went with and is really good. We'll talk about it afterwards. But anyways, a big thing with Landmark is, let's say, for example, over here, you're talking. You mentioned you had something with your teacher. I mentioned I had something with my teacher. And, like, this was when I was, what, seven years old? I'm 34 right now. The fact that I'm remembering it 28 years later is insane. And you know what? I, I got bullied a lot in school and I actually have a 10 year old son and he gets bullied a lot in school also. And one of the things that I told him, I had a very interesting experience recently. I had an experience that I was by a wedding and some guy randomly came up to me. He's like, Alex magic. I'm like, yeah, I didn't recognize the guy. And he told me his name. He remembered I was in yeshiva with him in seventh grade. When I, I was in eighth time for first grade, I left to share room, came back to eighth time in eighth grade, and he was there. And he used to make fun of me a lot. And two weeks ago at the wedding, he's like, Alex, I'm like, yeah. He's like, by the way, I just want to apologize for anything that I did in the past. 
And I'm like, wow. He's like, no, don't worry. There's nothing bad happening in my life that I'm apologizing to people. Just someone else actually did it to me and it hit me. And I thought about other people. And I told my son, Shlomo, that just turned 10, I said, I want you to know people that bully you, it's their issue. They don't feel good about themselves. And I told him, this guy that's 35 years old came to me 22 years later, and he still felt bad about it. It's people that are immature, kids that are immature, they don't know, and they feel bad about it the whole entire life. And I said, it's, but bullying is a thing that I, I, I didn't even remember this scenario. I remember other scenarios. Like I remember in ninth grade, one guy threw an apple at my nose and my nose bled and like wow. stuff like that. But a big thing with Landmark, getting back to Landmark, is really addressing situations. All this stuff carries you on the shoulders. And when you address it and you speak about it, it really clears the air so much. And it's so relieving. I, during Landmark, they have a thing. You make a couple phone calls. I made a couple phone calls certain people and I addressed it and it, it, it gave me so much confidence because it's like, Oh, people are scared to call a person. They don't know how the person's reaction. No, screw it. You want to do what's right. Living a life of integrity, letting people know how you feel. If they're going to respond bad to you, that has nothing to do with you. That is their problem, but you did the right thing. And you know what? My mother always taught me that growing up. And that's something that, that really got instilled in me, no matter what anybody else does, you do the right thing. One of the big things with Chaim Berlin, why I strived over there, is that there's no pressure. There are a lot of guys in my share that were very, very yeshivish. Like one of my one of my very good friends that actually helped me get into the regular Chaim Berlin, Mer Simcha Kaufman. His father's the Rosh Hashiva of Waterbury. Mm-hmm. He's actually a Rosh Kol in Waterbury right now. Wow. I have a, another like bunch of friends that like have yeshivas and all stuff like that. But then I have like, so there are a bunch of guys with like big brisk or pairs, white shirts and stuff like that. But then there are also like a bunch of guys, regular blue shirts, regular, and everybody got along. And it was no like looking at anybody differently. The most yeshivish guy in the class who's like Rabban Shechter's grandson was friends with the guy that had a blue shirt and his father, whatever. Like it was no judgment like that. It was so accepting. And Chaim Berlin is actually known for that. They have Israelis come from there, Russians, like some people actually even know it as a college yeshiva just because college guys needed a place to learn and they learned in Chaim Berlin. So people think Chaim Berlin is like a college yeshiva, but it isn't at all. Mm-hmm. And it was just a very accepting atmosphere. So I really did very well over there with that acceptance. Were you there when my father was vice principal in Chaim Berlin, Rabbi Feivelson? No way. That's your father. Yeah. I remember when I came originally, I think it was his last year or two years over there. I came in wow. like 10th grade. Yeah, of course. He was assistant principal by Rabbi Travis, right? Rabbi Travis. So we we moved to five towns. So then he stopped working there. Yeah, I remember. Everybody loved him over there. Well, let's get back to the bullying thing. Oh, okay. I, I would honestly think your son is like the coolest He's kid a good, in class. He's a very, very nice person. Heart of gold. Very good. I yeah. see your sons in the family. Beautiful. Curious Thank you. Remembers me. I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask him, yeah. but okay. I just want to get back to the bullying thing for sure, a second. Sure. I, would, I would think that your son is like Mr. Popular Kid because you're his dad and you're super cool. You're like out there always doing oh, things. Yeah. So how do you explain to a kid who's getting bullied? Like, I know that you did give him that advice. I'm very open with my kid about everything. First of all, I told him someone touches you, you hit them back harder. And I yes. spoke to, I confirmed this with a very big psychologist, Dr. David Lieberman. Okay. And he said a thousand percent right. And you know what my kid told me he was getting bullied. And I said, I want you to know, like, I'm sorry. I feel bad. I got bullied in school also. I'm very into fixing the problem. Let's learn self-defense. First of all, I build them up emotionally. I tell them, I said, other person's problem, not you, et cetera. But from a physical standpoint, if he says he got pushed or whatever, I remember we were on our way to the mountains. He said someone pushed him. 
said, Shlomo, we're going to learn how to beat the crap out of this guy. I went on YouTube. I learned self-defense videos, not even beating him back, but just how to defend yourself. And if you give people the skills, I wish I learned self-defense. It's so much for security. I said, no matter how old you are, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, even now, there are going to be people that bully you, especially on social media. I don't know if you got any like bullied comments, people saying bad things. They're cyberbullying. It's a real thing, no matter how old you are, even as adults. So if you learn the techniques as a child, how to deal with bullying and how to deal with people making fun of you, it's going to help you all throughout your adult life. And that's the main thing about raising a child. What I learned, like, whatever, is just building up their security and making them feel strong and you giving it to them. And you have taught your son, like if someone has pushed him recently, he knows how to fight back now? Yeah, but he's still not comfortable. He's like too nice. He's like, no, I'll go to the principal's office. I said, tell the principal. I said to shove the guy back. Say you're listening to your father. And I'm trying to put it into him. I don't care about him pushing the kid back. I want him to know. And it's going to take time because I know it's going to be that one time. It might be in two years. It might be in five years that someone starts up with him. And he's just going to knock that guy out in his face. He's just going to have enough and he's going to have the confidence. It's going to build up over years. It's going to take time. But you know what? Whether Whatever he does or whether he doesn't do, I'm doing my job as a parent. I can't control the effects. Right. So the mantra of the show is it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. How can you say that this mantra applies to your life? The fact that I got kicked out of one school and one school didn't work out for me. And then finally I got into Chaim Berlin. But when I got kicked out of Patak, the regular Chaim Berlin didn't want to take me in. I pushed, I pushed, and I pushed, and I finally got in. So one of the things that I learned is that I'm able to get whatever I want in life, whatever I put my heart to. The fact that I'm a legend in Chaim Berlin for this, your father would even know probably, oh, the kid from Patak that got kicked out, whatever, that went in. I'll tell you, there's a lot more depth to the story. Like basically after I got kicked out of Patak, my father's like, okay, there are no other options for you. There are no other yeshivas. We're sending you to public school. Wow. I called up Rabbi Max. I used to sleep in the dorm when I was in Patak and Chaim Berlin. I called up Rabbi Max, who's in charge of the dorm. And I told him my father wants to send me to public school. What should I do? He's like, okay, come back to the dorm. So I slept in the dorm, even though I wasn't in Chaim Berlin. And then Rabbi Guzik, the Manal, said, okay, listen, we're looking away from it as long as you don't get a job or whatever. But I started looking for a job already. And I even got a job in Eichler's. They need someone extra for numptive season. So I started working in Eichler's. And Rabbi Guzik said, it's okay, fine like that. So when they let me into Chaim Berlin, it was the weirdest thing. Because I was in yeshiva, but I didn't go to English in the afternoon because I had a oh, job in Eichler's. Rabbi Travis was like, why aren't you in English? I said, what? I'm working in Eichler's. He's like, what? I said, yeah, Rabbi Guzik said it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it taught me, even from that, I was in a situation. I had no idea what I was going to do. I found that a place of security, they accepted me, right? I was going to go to public school, this and that. They said, don't worry, come back. And there was the mentality of, don't worry. And it's wow. going to work out. And it ended up working out tremendously. And I have like so much of cars. So that taught me in life. I never take notes and answer. And I'm able, one of the things that I'm able to do is get things done. If a business has a challenge with their marketing, they don't know this, they don't know that, I make it happen, whatever it is. My friends, if you know this, yeah. when we go on vacation or there's a problem, there's something that needs to be sorted out. Even my, well, I have a certain friend, he's a little bit of the, the controlling OCD type. No, let's do it this way. Like, mm-hmm. Even him says, guys, listen to Alex. Make sure Alex does it. Don't worry. And everything ends up working out. Thank God. Wow. That's so, that's awesome that you have that mentality of, of it's going to be okay. It's going to work out and that you actually get things done. Because a lot of people are talkers. They don't actually get things done. Well, I know that in the beginning of the interview, you said that you have no regrets. Now, are you just saying this? Or are you honestly really 
have no regrets. I honestly have no regrets. Don't ask me how I handle Yom Kippur, but. <laughs> <laughs> so besides forgetting bullied and everything that you went through in school, what else has been something that was extremely difficult for you and you actually got past it? Just every day. <laughs> there are always struggles that come up business, marketing, dealing with hard customers, dealing with obstacles. And it's just learning how to go through that and learning techniques. And one of the things I'm learning in business is just to like be smarter, work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And I'm really good being a creative. I'm very good at thinking out of the box. So I always think out of the box of this thing that I could do, that thing I could do. There's so many things, but my biggest thing that is just learning to live in the moment right now. Yeah. Well, as I, yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, where are you holding right now with your business? Right now in my business, I'm doing phenomenal, actually. I was a little bit worried the first couple months of COVID, things were slow, they slowed down. I think everything was on a pause. I think since then, what I've seen is the, the change of businesses I used to deal with, like people used to call me up, oh, clothing store, I want to do like $200 in advertising a week, where should I put my ad, stuff like that. Now I have the most successful roofing company in Lakewood that that like wanted a whole rebrand and everything. I just did a whole entire package for them for sure. Roofing a lot of successful, more successful companies are coming to me right now. I'm doing a massive website for this guy that works with a lot of government contracts all over doing their security and stuff like that. Like a lot of big online kosherwine.com is doing phenomenal. Ever since COVID happened, they saw an increase in sales and they never really spent money on their marketing before. And they're like, hold on, more people are ordering wine online. This stuff is really working. Let's reinvest some money in marketing. So I'm doing a ton of stuff with them. I've been working for them the past few months. I'm working with a massive winery in Israel right now, Carmel Winery. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that through Hartsock, through Royal Wine. So there are a lot of, so I, there's always going to be room for marketing. You know what? One of the things that robots can't replace is creativity of a human. That's true. Now, what made you want to go into this field? Why I got into it originally is that psychology always interested me. And I always loved business. I was a businessman since I was like 12 years old. Well, they remind me when I was 12, I used to sell collectible Beanie Babies, selling them and trading them and stuff like that, going to trade shows. When I was on a bus, uh, I went on like a, a city bus when I was 12 years old to go to a trade show with Beanie Babies. I was going to different stores to find collectible Beanie Babies and everything else like that. It, it got to like several years ago, I was in the gym in Lakewood, like on the treadmill, I was talking to the owner and I was talking to him about marketing and I heard a couple speeches, people speaking about marketing and advertising. I was talking to him about about different ideas that he could do and i asked him i said by the way do you use a marketing agency at all he said it's funny you asked me because i'm actually choosing between two agencies right now and i said uh he's like you know come back to me in a couple weeks i'll let you know what agency i choose i'm like okay fine i come back to him in two weeks i'm like what agency are you using he's like i'm choosing you i'm like what i wasn't looking for a job or anything he said you wanted to get into it and he said, if you want, I'll give you an internship for three months. You'll work for me for three months. I'll give you a free year membership to the gym for you and your wife. Right then, and I'm like, okay, after that, he hired me, paid me like a thousand bucks a month to do marketing for him. And after that, I became director of operations at the gym. And then from that, he had a different advertising business on the side called AdVision. He had screens in all the supermarkets and stuff playing ads. So I became the director of sales and marketing for that. Now, yeah. from AdVision, I used to go to a lot of stores. And they used to be, oh, we don't want to advertise on the screen. We'd rather do a newspaper or a magazine. So I had, you know, relationships with Ami and Mishpach and a different place. I said, you know, will you give me a cut if I bring you ads? So they said, yeah. So I started 
Now I work with every Jewish newspaper, every Jewish magazine, the Jewish homes, the five pound Jewish times. Yeah. And I, I broker ad space. And then from there, I was brought into Simcha's spot. So like everything was a lot of opportunities that led into the other. I went into Simcha's spot and then I was selling ad, spot, ad space for Simcha's spot. And then from Simcha's spot, people ask me if I manage our social media. So I don't know anything. They're like, okay, do it anyways. And then from that, people are like, you do websites. I just had random people calling me up for different things. And I'm like, okay, why not? They're like, okay, I'll figure it out. I'll do this. Now my biggest thing is really just to focus on one thing on what I'm good at. I just realized in marketing, there's so many different things going on. There's so many different channels, like with a website, there's e-commerce, there's regular, there's content cre- creation, there's right, right, there's commercials, there's, there's, there's so much stuff. So I'm really trying to focus on like what my strong point is. And I realized my strong point is strategy. The people that I've helped out the most with their businesses have been with my consultations that I've helped them out with. And also just with content creation, coming up with creative content and how to execute it. It's all like, okay, getting followers for your business. It's about the right type of content. That is so incredible. It's like you were in the right place at the right time. You weren't scared to go over to the guy and start talking to him. Some people would be nervous. You weren't scared. You put yourself out there and it really led. How many years did it take you to get from the gym to right now? The gym was about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. Wow. And you built this entire huge, huge business in seven years. Yeah, it's still building it. I, I, it's so, so funny. I don't even look like I'm looking like every day I'm looking that I'm like starting to build it. Really? Yeah. Every day is like a new day. There are always like new things coming up, new ideas. I'm doing a whole webinar series right now, a whole series of videos educating people. A lot of the things I talk about in my consultations, I charge mm-hmm. a lot for a consultation. I'm giving people a cheaper option that they can watch the videos online and subscribe to it. I'm doing so many things. The opportunity is endless. So what keeps you going? The money. <laughs> That's a very good answer. It's a real honest answer. Yeah, it's very good money. I could work from anywhere, a lot of flexibility. I'm able to travel. You know, when I do this, everything's mm-hmm. online on computers. I love challenges and I feel every business that I deal with, everybody has their unique challenge and it's about figuring out how to overcome their obstacle, their challenge, what they're looking to accomplish. A restaurant in five towns that's having a challenge isn't the same challenge as a restaurant in Lakewood. And all the challenges basically fall on you though, at the end of the day, no? Yeah, it's, it's a hard business because marketing isn't a tangible thing. If I'm Mm -hmm. giving consultation, right, you buy paper towel, you get paper towel, you buy toilet paper, you buy food, you have food in your head because it's not tangible, it's harder. And whenever something doesn't go right in a business, lots of times it's like, okay, our marketing is the problem, right? In a way, it's easy. It's a good business because the first time someone wants to fix something in their business, whatever, oh, we need marketing. That's the solution. Let's do marketing. Let's do social media. Social media sounds cool. So they come to me to do social media. So right now, what I've realized is that a lot of businesses are looking for that social media fix. Okay, we'll do social media. And to let them know, in the beginning of the call, I wanted to tell you, like, let's start off with a consultation. Let's see exactly what's going on. Because if there are certain things that aren't working in your business, Mm -hmm. they're not going to work even if you have social media, even if you have a good presence on social media. If your ad isn't working in one paper, there's a good chance that ad won't work even if someone gave you free billboard space in Times Square. Right. Wow. So you figure that all out for all these businesses? No, I try to. 
you try to figure them out. I try to. It's very hard. And I, I've seen most of the businesses overall, the success or failure to any business is honestly the person running it. Right. I've worked with so many businesses. I try telling them this and that, but they don't do it and they don't listen to me. Honestly, the people that are the most successful are the ones that listen to me. Because like, why would they hire you if they're not even wanting to listen to you, which is so interesting. You think they would listen. And I'm very picky who I take on as customers. That's yeah. also a big thing. It's very hard because people are willing to call me up. They want to pay. They're like, oh, I, I had a place actually in five towns, some restaurant that's like, oh, Alex, you know, I charge a minimum of a thousand dollars a month to run their social media, uh, to run someone's social media. And they wanted like my $2,000 package. Like, Alex, do it for $500 a month. Don't worry. You'll get a lot of business. You Like, why not? Like, this is really people. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to work out, but I wish you all the best. <laughs> By the way, one of the things that I've learned, which is very important, when you say, when you get one of these types of clients that you feel is just a lot of heartache and everything, the best thing that you're able to do is say no to them because what's going to happen? They're going to go to your competitor and they're just going to slow down your competitor. Now, Alex, before we go, can you share a story with us that has impacted your life through work? Yes, networking. And networking is so valuable. Get, uh, be able to go wherever you want. Where I, like just anywhere, meet people, as many people as possible. One of my biggest contracts that I landed with a massive group of nursing homes was through a guy that I met by Sheraton Persephone. I actually met him like somewhere else, but he was a friend of another friend of mine that I actually met by a singles event. I'm friends with this guy, Yitzi Schwinder. Interesting. I think I heard of him. Event. Yeah, it was okay. like there were girls there also, but I happened to meet him. It with, has, with it has to be. You're hilarious. A singles event has to be co-ed. It's not a single event. There's no boys and girls. These days, you never know. It could be what? a single event, just guys. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not in the from circles, but listen, 2020 is a messed up year. Who knows? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait, so what's that story that you were about to tell us? That story is, I met this guy in a singles event. I met another guy, and he was an operator of a bunch of nursing homes. And he called me up random. We're like, we spent a lot of Shabbosin together. Stuff like that and randomly calls me up like two years later we didn't speak for like a few months but he's like Alex and he followed me on Instagram and WhatsApp like you saw my stuff to like, Alex my boss wants Instagram accounts for all our facilities so I was the first person he thought of and realized he wanted Facebook Twitter website everything I landed a massive deal with him and it's one of the biggest deals that I ever did hopefully you know we're gonna have another story next time I speak to you and that's gonna be the biggest deal <laughs> right now the biggest thing is honestly everything comes from a show everything and i'm a very very firm believer in that but you have to do your shallows a big part in your shallows is going and meeting people talking to people not even selling them selling them also meet as many people as possible people do business with you because of you because of who you are it's a relationship business right someone asks oh why do you do business with that guy oh i don't know he davens in front of me in show oh he's my neighbor he's my yeah. nephew's cousin he's like in the jewish circles that's how we do business so you want to go to as many places as possible. So you would tell everybody, get out there and start networking. A thousand percent. Put on a mask, put on gloves and get to work. When do you think we're going to stop wearing masks? Honestly. So first of all, I haven't been wearing a mask for a very long time. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you live in Lakewood. I get it. Yeah, a thousand percent. By the way, the there's five no COVID in Lakewood. There's tons of COVID. In the five oh, towns, it's like everybody's mad. No, no, no. I'm telling you, Lakewood, if you go into a restaurant in Lakewood or somewhere in Lakewood and you're wearing a mask, people will look at you like you're weird. 
Are you serious? Yeah, a thousand percent. In the five towns, you must wear a mask always. Yeah, because they're like uptight over there. You think so? I feel a big thing with Lakewood also is that not so many people have died in Lakewood because Lakewood is a much younger community. A lot of people died. I know people personally who died in Lakewood who weren't I know sick. there are definitely people that died in Lakewood. Definitely. Yeah. But not as much as other areas. You think because there's no fear in Lakewood and really what's killing people is the fear of getting COVID and if they get COVID, there what's going to happen? There is a massive fear in the beginning. I honestly feel that most of the people that died were honestly from pre-existing health conditions. And in Lakewood, a lot of people that died that were older that had pre-existing health conditions. But I haven't heard about a case in ages. Like, honestly, like you go, you don't feel it over here. Yeah. I went to Lakewood about um, six weeks ago for a, to pay a shiva call because somebody passed away. No underlying conditions. He died from COVID. It's a very sad story. And was, were people wearing masks in the shiva house? I was definitely. <laughs> I think people were and some people weren't. But like me and my, my, my siblings and my, my parents were all wearing masks. 100%. Yeah. I hear that. But Alex, if people want to get in touch with you to do a consultation, what, how could they get in touch with you? You could email me at alex at adstunright.com. And where can they follow you on social media? What are your platforms? Instagram. Mostly Instagram. Adstunright on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, but I'm the most active on Instagram. Thank you so much, Alex, for being here today on Hebrew Hits. Maya, thank you so much for having me. This was good. Yeah, you just listened to the 36th episode of Hebrew Hits. That was Alex Majuk. Double high. I love that. Double chai, yes, of course. That's when I woke up this morning and I'm like, I'm interviewing Alex, 36, double chai. Wow, that is a special episode. So thank you so much for being here again. You can follow Hebrew Hits on Instagram at Hebrew underscore hits and follow and subscribe to Hebrew Hits Radio on YouTube and follow and subscribe to us on all your favorite streaming apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Please leave us a good rating and we'll be back next week, same time, same place.